Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 108 is entitled The Road to Power. Because of the law of justice, we have a God of law. Because of the law of mercy, we have a God of love. Because of truth, we have a God of knowledge. And because of light, we have a God of power. Only one who is perfect can be trusted with perfect power. When Christ comes during the millennium, the entire earth will be turned into a theocracy. The head of government will be Christ. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord, and of his Christ, and he shall reign for ever and ever. But until that time we must govern ourselves. Presently the earth has many forms of governments. They carry different names, democracy, communism, socialism, oligarchy, monarchy, theocracy, totalitarianism. For our purposes, I shall divide governments according to liberty. The far left will represent minimum liberty. On the far right will represent maximum liberty. Totalitarianism, communism, monarchy, theocracy, socialism, democracy, democratic republic. From the beginning of its creation, America has been the leader of the free world with its strong constitution. Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence, Sovereignty, Equal Voting Rights, Solvency, Balance of Power, Division of Powers of the Legislative Branch, the Executive Branch, and the Judicial Branch, States' Rights, Support of Family, and Shared Values of Virtue, Morality, and Self-Reliance. It is not the language of freedom that holds a nation together. Language can be a whited sepulchral, as the scriptures say, full of dead men's bones. It is the heart of the people that holds a nation together, and the strict adherence of just laws. If any one of the above attributes of our democratic republic are tampered with or destroyed, then our nation grows weaker and gravitates to the left toward totalitarianism. It is a short distance from freedom to servitude, from a democratic republic to totalitarianism. The attributes of freedom are dominoes aligned in a perfect circle. When one falls, they all fall. Our foundation is weak, and the eastern wind is growing stronger. Given the climate in Washington today, could they produce our Declaration of Independence, our Bill of Rights, our Constitution? Could they create a balance of power? Could they agree on shared values of virtue, morality, and self-reliance? Could they agree on states' rights? Could they even agree with the following statement? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If you polled Congress individually, how many would swear to the following? 1. Do you believe in self-evident truth? That is, do you believe that truth is absolute? 2. Do you believe that all truth comes from God? 3. 
Do you believe that God created all men equal? Do you believe that God endowed all men with certain unalienable rights? 4. Do you believe that life is an unalienable right? In other words, would you vote against partial birth abortion? Would you vote against abortion during the third trimester? 5. Do you believe God gave us liberty as an unalienable right? 6. Do you believe that God gave us the unalienable right of the pursuit of happiness? There's no such thing as a good tyrant, but there is such a thing as a good king. However, there's no such thing as a guarantee of a good king. That is the problem with totalitarianism. That is the problem with any monarchy or theocracy or oligarchy. Power is probably the single greatest desire in men's hearts, and the abuse of power the single greatest cause of evil in the world. One may be satiated with anything, lust, food, recreation, money, pleasure, but one cannot be satiated with power. Power, like a fierce forest fire that forms high winds to fan the flames, creates a drive for greater power, a lust which is never consumed, and all the treasures of the earth are used to purchase power. We think that man desires money to purchase material things. That is only true for the deprived. Those who have money to buy anything often turn their thoughts to power. Satan, not God, is the measure of the evil desires of this world. Only Satan, who wants to be our God, is without justice, mercy, love, light, truth. We reap the rewards of the God we serve. Try to imagine the most evil man on earth and give him omnipotence with no accountability to justice. Our supervillain today is Adolf Hitler. The first thing Hitler did when he rose to power was to exempt himself from all laws and become a law unto himself. His reign of terror lasted only 12 years, yet he sent the entire world into war, and because of his policies, tens of millions of soldiers, civilians, and other innocents lost their lives. Some of the greatest atrocities known to man occurred because of his megalomania. The Holocaust is a reminder of the horrors of hate, racism, and totalitarianism. Those are the fruits of an evil dictatorship. As with Stalin in Russia, so with Hitler in Germany. In addition to wanting to annihilate the Jews, he wanted to destroy Christianity. To a dictator, there can only be one God. Hitler and Stalin wanted to be that God. Mortal man cannot handle absolute power regardless of intentions. In Machiavellian fashion, a true dictator must exempt himself from the law if he is to have absolute power. Any leader, even a benign one who exempts himself from the laws of the land, is a dictator, an enemy to freedom, and a traitor to his country and to his people. That holds true for a communist state, a socialist state, a fascist state, a theocratic state, a democratic state, or a republic. No government leaders, regardless of office, should be permitted to pass laws from which they or their friends are exempt. That is the beginning of the end of freedom. From that point on, they no longer represent the people who put them in office. They represent only themselves and their ideology. That is the first step to solidifying power, to separating themselves from the people and to dictatorship.
He must replace God in the eyes of the people, or else become the sole representative of God, such as the ancient pharaohs and early kings. You will find that any government that tries to replace a true republic will either try to eliminate God, given the state full power, or try to merge the power of God and the power of state as one, thus controlling man's conscience. We see the trend in America today as we slide down the slippery slope towards socialism and political correctness. Christianity is under attack today in the United States because it poses a threat to the liberal cause and reduces their power over the minds of the people. The purpose of political correctness is to replace Christian values with the floating values of the New World Order. Political correctness is an imitation of Christian values without God. It is God who poses a threat to the liberal cause. Therefore, God is their enemy. I am not speaking of those Christians or others who are intellectual liberals who share similar social views because they have compassion for humanity. I am speaking of a movement in this nation to remove God. I am speaking of those who are craftily using the liberal cause to achieve their devious ends. We must stand for religious freedom. No nation can even pretend to be free that does not have freedom of religion, freedom of conscience, freedom of speech, or freedom of the press. In America today, we're rapidly moving away from the necessary attributes that made America the great nation it was. Behind every movement to destroy American values is the lust for power. Alexis de Tocqueville the French philosopher who came to America to study democracy, observed, The American Republic will endure until the day Congress discovers that it can bribe the public with the public's money. Well, Congress has discovered the power of bribery, and that is why we are rushing toward socialism. They are selling entitlements in return for votes. They are championing causes in return for votes. They are distributing special privileges in return for votes. They are creating tribalism in return for votes. They are preaching class hatred in return for votes. Today, all whites are demonized as white racist supremacists to create the necessary enemy that any drive for power requires. You cannot champion those who have no enemies. Where enemies do not exist, you must create them. They are exploring every possible minority, giving them whatever they demand to guarantee their vote. Bribing the poor, however, was insufficient to carry the election for the liberals. Therefore, they persuaded other groups united by a common cause, such as gay rights, women's rights, black rights, illegal immigrants' rights, etc., to join their cause. The entire liberal platform is aimed at the discontent of outspoken minority groups bonded by a cause. It is a mistake to think that the liberals are interested in the common man because the common man makes up all walks of life. The liberals, driven by power, are only interested in guaranteed voting blocks. Therefore, their entire strategy is to convince those voting blocks, such as the poor, women, blacks, gays, etc., that the rich and the financially secure middle class hates them and are the cause of their problems. Redistribution of wealth, a blatant form of bribery on a very large scale, is a primary strategy of the social democrats. Rob from the rich and give to the poor. That is the logic behind free education, free health care, etc. It is classic quid pro quo, 
I will give you security, you give me your vote. I will keep you in security, you keep me in power. It is self-perpetuating. Once an entitlement is given, it is reluctantly relinquished, and any threat to that entitlement will be met with strong and sometimes violent opposition. The liberals remain in power through wholesale bribery, and the taxpayer foots the bill. Individually, we all share similar trials. Whereas we life together, we cry alone, but we must not be blind. Individuals often seek solace in a group of sympathizers who share common quarrels. When that group looks inward to the shared sorrows of the many, it often gives strength, direction, clarity, courage, and hope to individuals. But when that same group looks outward and becomes one, it often solidifies into power, taking on not the sorrows, but the collective anger of its members. It is no longer a group that seeks equality or justice. It becomes a mob that seeks revenge and more power. It is like Grendel's mother coming out of the cave to exact revenge for the death of her murderous son. Its Goliathian goal is then not to comfort the condemned, but to crush the opposition. It loses the ability of self-evaluation, individual growth, and personal performance. While validating the weaknesses of its members, it forms a moving fortress that rolls over all opposition and silences all criticism. What was once motivated by prayer is now motivated by pride. Those who once recoiled by complaint are now unleashed by power. In such cases, the rhetoric continues to focus on the individual, for in human suffering there is sympathy, but the actions are directed on force against opposing values, and its emphasis is on how to gain more power. Even when all the wrongs are righted, the movement, forged in the fire of forgotten wrongs, gains a life of its own and rolls forward like an armored tank. We have seen such a movement not only on the world stage of war and nations, but also in home theaters of war and ideologies. We have seen it in workers' rights, gay rights, civil rights, women's rights, environmental rights, and animal rights. We have seen it in issues over guns, immigration, religion, criminals, and so many other Herculean causes. It is in the nature of man to convert individual weaknesses into collective power. It allows release from guilt and justification of wrongs and offers a kind of irresistible false freedom and conscienceless revenge. Before acting alone, one was burdened by his weaknesses, hammered by the desire of self-improvement. Now he is validated in his weaknesses and borne by collective strength of the mob that shares his anger. The gay movement once justifiably asked for empathy, understanding, and equality. Now they seek converts to increase their power and condemn any who oppose their political ambitions. So it is with all other movements. That is why movements do not end when the goals are reached. The primary political ploy of the social democrats today is to create division by stirring up anger, hatred, and revenge even though laws of equality are in place. The success of the social democrats depends entirely upon tribalism. Without discontent, the social democrats cannot create a new world order. It is true with all revolutions. Their theme is, do not let a good crisis go to waste. Truth has no place in a revolution where the primary goal is power. 
The tragedy of once cutting guilt becomes comedy that is paraded before a self-congratulating public. And while he is now able to laugh at himself, the derision of mocking critics is withered into silence and applauding acceptance. Meanwhile, truth, growth, and heroic struggles are abandoned. And in many cases, the institution of the family is attacked and the foundation of the nation weakened. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at ronaldmesser.com.